<laughs> Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter here. And Jason Burkhart, how you doing? Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Yep, episode 35. 35, yeah, we're here. 35. It is the okay. first uh, episode of the year in 2018. Happy, Happy 2018 to everybody out there. Yep, Happy New Year, Josh, Jonah, Gary. Here we go. Here we go. We got a great um, show today. It is the Smart Flower Pop. Move my microphone. Uh, yeah, Smart Flower. <laughs> this is something I wanted to talk about a long time. You showed me a picture of this thing. I think years ago, really, isn't isn't it? Has it been that long? Um, yeah, years, a couple, year, years, couple years, years, years ago, and I never really had a sense of the scale of the thing. And now that it's available, <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, it's a really amazing uh, technology out of Austria. Yep. We have uh, access to John McEnroe, who is a good friend of mine. I met him about two and a half years ago, Intersolar San Francisco, in like. 15 or something or 16 mm -hmm. and uh you know we really just kind of um connected on this amazing tech and uh what is uh so he's been working diligently on getting this ready for the um, uh hawaii marketplace yep he's done some uh work throughout the pacific and the philippines and it is just a, a you know like solar eye candy like nothing can compare yeah, yeah, it is, it is the thing. I, I want a whole field of these things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly what it needs to be. It's going to be really fun to get a chance to talk to John, uh, and we'll be able to talk to his partner, uh, Leonard Tanaka, uh, probably in a couple of shows as well, talk about some of the other things they're engaged in. Yep. Uh, so, you know, uh, for 18, just briefly, we've, we do have an amazing roster of kind of things happening, totally different than when we began this show. It's like we've got this amazing kind of group of people, industry leaders, thought leaders that are ready to come once, on the show. Yeah, once we started talking to people, it was really, really funny how they all come out of the woodwork and they actually would like to be not only on the show, which is intimidating to start with. I mean, every, sure. the first time we asked somebody, do you want to be on the radio? I was like, no. <laughs> well, usually it's kind of like, uh, well, um, let me think about that. Yeah, right. right. Uh, they, they, they won't give you a flat no, but that's a no. <laughs> but eventually everyone gets kind of excited, enthusiastic about it, you once know? They, yeah, once they, when they, when they see their, their contemporaries out there as well, um, they all want to come on the show. So we've got this huge wrist, just roster of folks. Um, Abby... Uh, Abigail Ross Hopper from C is going to be on this show. Um, the, That's the a big Blue deal. Planet That's next guys. week. Yeah, next week. Um, we've got uh, Ragu from Enphase. You know, all these all these folks that co are co-founder of Enphase. Co-founder co co of program. Enphase. Right? This, yeah. is, this isn't just some random gentleman from yeah. Enphase. <laughs> we got ideas. We're, we got the uh, Maui Energy Conference coming up in March. That's We're excited about that, yep. about decarbonization, kind of getting that def definition sorted out. We have some opportunity to talk about, uh, Eric Blair actually asked us to bring on a tax professional to talk about how, in his language, the new Republican tax code is going go. to create issues to be for discussed. solar. Well, Abby is an attorney that lobbies DC. That's where, for her job with SIA and she's going to be able to help us out with that. We gave her the bullet points already. Yep. That's next week. Uh, we hope to get um, uh, Mercedes on the uh, on the line with their new Mercedes program, their, yep. their, um, their battery program. We've been talking to those guys for about a year now. Yep. Uh, there's just and, and there's a bunch of other ones, and too. It just keep, you know? And it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned for a great beginning of 2018 to dig into all this great stuff. So this is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in Maui County, Fridays at 105 p.m., KOI 1110 AM is our home, <laughs> 96.7 FM Central, uh, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. Call-ins are welcome, 808-242-7800. That's 808-242-7800. That's the call-in line. Do give us a call. We love hearing from our listeners. Um, we can be found on the web too, right, Jay? Yep, www.solar-coaster.com. That's solar-coaster.com. You can pick up the Listen Live link if you're uh, in other parts of the world right there. You can also uh, click on the YouTube stream. We're live streaming right now. Check us yep. out. Hey, hey, guys. Here we are. Um, and if you're interested in stuff, you want to send a question, you can't call in during the show. There's actually a web form down the bottom. You can sign up, uh, get on the mailing list, and also submit questions right there. So just scroll a little down the main page, and you can send us your questions for the show. Absolutely, absolutely. And we are sponsored by a great stable of a group of companies. Companies, Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, and Pika Energy. Thank you, sponsors, keeping us on the air week after week. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We do appreciate it very much. Uh, podcast section. We got some podcasts out there as, as well, right, Jay? Yep. Uh, we're available at Solar Coaster on iTunes. Uh, Stitcher is up and running and TuneIn Radio as well. So we're, nice. we're, we're out nice. there on all these services. And a couple of new things. We're always trying to kind of you know push the envelope a little bit. We have a transcription of the show, so it's going to be able to follow that content uh, up in our blog shortly. That's been a process. We talk a lot. So <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> it's kind of a... 
<laughs> kind of a thing. I didn't think it was going to be nearly as much of an effort, effort as it was. I'm like, oh, I can knock this out in a couple hours the entire day later. <laughs> <laughs> that has like three sets of eyes on it too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we've been playing with infographics and some memes, and the guys are like, Josh, stop geeking out of the memes. Don't waste <laughs> but it. Oh, we got a lot of these. But they're fun, right? Those yeah. little videos, little 10, 20 second videos uh, to kind of show what we learned at, uh, in the show. Well, we, have, so we have a specific point to that. We want to raise awareness yeah. for different issues. And that's the whole point of the show is just raise the base education level so you folks can make the, the right decisions when you're out there looking for energy products. Definitely, definitely. So uh, let's get started, guys. Jump right into our news and events section. We okay. Got, uh, okay, we here got we some go. good stuff going here with uh, global news. Global news. Uh, right off the bat, um, sea level rise, coastal cities flooding in 2017. Um, so they were talking about Miami, uh, Norfolk, uh, different, different sea level towns. Uh, but the one that shocked me is just this morning yeah. in Boston. If you haven't seen this yet, get on um, get online, look around. Um, Boston got hit with this little, uh, what they call it, a bomb, bomb cyclone. cyclone. Bomb cyclone. Um, but it literally pushed a couple uh, feet worth of ocean water, and of course, all the, uh, the, the um, they've had a lot of snowfall, so all the, the street grates are all covered over, and it's just the water is just sitting in the middle of the streets. It can't go anywhere, and I mean, this is this is a real, real problem. Boston's a lot of landfill. I, I used to live there many, right. many years ago. Right. Um, Boston's a lot of landfill, really low-lying areas, relatively flat, except for the parts that aren't. Um, but that's Old Town. And, um, and this water just will sit there, and it's freezing in the streets. <laughs> oh, man, that is really <laughs> but this is But this is a big problem we're going to see more and more of as, as they talk about sea level rise. Um, all these low-lying cities... Um, Baltimore, Miami, Tampa, New Orleans, a lot of them, and a lot of Florida. I don't think any point in Florida is more than three feet above sea level. You know, that, that's right. th as of a, few, a number of years ago. So it's it's a, a all high risk, well, and it's going to cost a huge amount of money to keep it safe. Uh, so we're talking massive additional seawalls, uh, breaks out in the ocean to stop uh, tidal surge, right, right? Um, and all these other things. So they're, they're estimating billions and billions and billions of dollars yeah. uh, required by 2060, which is far away, but not so much. And what's interesting, <laughs> I think, about this morning was that we found this Inside Climate News. It's on InsideClimateNews.org, by the yep. way. Yeah, sea level rise is creeping into coastal cities is the title, and saving them won't be cheap. But then, of course, alongside in Facebook feeds, we're seeing what's happening with the bomb cyclone in uh, the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So it's like you could easily read this and say, oh, theoretically this is happening, and it's kind of okay, great. This is yeah, eventually we need things. to worry about it. But and no, then you go over to today. Facebook, and it's like people are posting, <laughs> uh, you know, two feet of water throughout downtown Boston. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. so we're literally – in this space at the moment, it really is uh, some concerning stuff. And, and and as we all know, we live in Maui. You know, we've been um, uh, fortunate in the past with, uh, you know, m major weather events. Uh, we get the big island right there. It's yeah, we do like have a bit of a protector. blocker. Right. And, but it is, a you know, the, we get hit with the wrong storm out here. We have some serious stuff to consider. Yeah. Uh, so let's keep a close eye on that. I mean, geez, this is like uh, pretty amazing what's happening out there. Another thing related to that was the, um, the, the, the kind of a little bit further down the field, what's happening in Puerto Rico. So mm -hmm. uh, they're all over the, the net, but there's PRI.org story. Uh, hurricanes blew away Puerto Rico's power grid. And now solar power rising to fill the void. Right. And this is something that we talked about when the event was, was going on there, uh, that we would hope to see a, a higher adoption of renewables. Is they wouldn't just roll out old technology again. They would take the opportunity to really rebuild the infrastructure, infrastructure in a better uh, more thoughtful way, and it really looks like that's taking place. So, yeah. big round of applause. Yeah, it's for amazing. That. It really is awesome. Yeah. and we well, you know a lot of our um, partner uh, corporations like Sonin and Tabuchi, and these guys are all out there actually donating product. Was the kind of first step. Uh, Tesla had done this as well. It's some amazing stuff. And then uh, now there, there's real um, like aggressive marketing happening effectively. And one thing that kind of caught my eye here is that this family in uh, in Puerto Rico they bought a Tesla Powerwall system, and they said, okay, we need we decided that we need to invest in this and why well um first of all we don't have energy we have a generator they're spending 400 dollars a week on uh, their generator uh, costs or fuel costs yeah right? i don't think they have any domestic production of of fuel like no, that so right I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like Maui, right? <laughs> right so it's all imported and i can guarantee that people are charging kind of a premium at this point for, for sure. those types of fuel so they're probably getting gouged on the fuel costs yeah and then they're like it's just time to do this we have solar panels on roof we need the batteries let's do it they put in a tesla power system ac coupled system yep. and all of a sudden they're able to use it and they mitigate their uh i'm sure they're probably still getting using their generator at times 
but uh, they're you know they're they're able to use this system. So it's it's pretty wonderful. But the numbers kind of struck me. Two hundred sold. It said Sonin systems. Two hundred sold Tesla systems just mm -hmm. by one of these you know major uh, manufacturers and one of these major installers. So yep. there's a lot of movement out there with batteries. And Puerto Rico could become you know could really leapfrog and become this kind of grid of the future is yeah. what the nature of this article yeah. says. So love, love to see it. Got it, yeah. Absolutely got, fantastic. And, you know, and it's, it's an opportunity to actually go out there maybe. We do have some friends and family that live out on the west side. Maybe we could do that for the coaster. Yeah. You know? Very cool. So what else we got here? Uh, next up, this was an article you sent me this morning, and we have differing opinions on this one. Uh, the title of the article is Solar Power, Capturing the Fruits of Our Labor. and The Forbes it, one. Yeah, the Forbes one. Um, this is a gentleman, uh, Greg Autry, who is talking about how time after time uh, American innovation we innovate and then it all goes to China and they manufacture at a cheap cost and they undercut any American producers of said technology and to basically take all the all the all the revenue all the all the mm -hmm. um, the, the feedback payback what's the what's the word the, um, the, the return return on investment yeah. for that R&D money that that America spent and he's frustrated by it, which I absolutely understand. Um, so he's going into detail about how solar power is right now. We have this small window of the of availability to kind of curtail that process. And so he's very much champion curtail the process of of everything solar, going back to American China. solar manufacturing firms being taken advantage of. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what's going on he goes goes on in detail about how uh chinese companies are are hacking uh u.s companies they're they're in they're stealing proprietary information they're, they they completely ignore patents which is mostly true um i don't know about the hacking thing so much i would hope that's not quite as as bad um but goes on to say that this this tariff absolutely needs to happen because to to protect um, the R&D money that we've spent on developing that, that solar from the 60s as well and 70s. As the firms, well, yeah, the government well started. Yeah. Um, his, his history is actually pretty pretty accurate here. He's talking about the, in the 60s, um, the space program developing solar panels specifically to be able to put satellites in orbit that would right. power themselves. They wouldn't have to put a battery on it, and they wouldn't have a finite life because right. they could continue to... Yeah, and that, power. and that continues to happen to this day. Our future focus section, we have some new technology. The yep. Air Force is yep. pioneering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so what's your opinion on this on this whole well, issue? Well, here's what struck me about this. First of all, I don't support the tariffs, just to be clear. So, okay. you, know, you know that, right? Yep. So that, and, but what struck me about, um, I think there's other ways to do it, and I think next week Abigail Ross Hopper from SIA is going to articulate those in a really uh, compelling and clear way. So we'll hear from that. But what interested me about this conversation was that he uh, went into, he, went, he actually kind of creates a picture where he says, hey, these uh, foreign firms are are, are, are are almost price fixing in order to starve out American firms. And mm -hmm. they're coming in and acquiring them. Yep. And 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 now they're they're orchestrating and uh, ironically now they're foreign owned firms that are now uh, petitioning for protection, uh, which is it's just, it's just a bizarre uh, set of circumstances. So if that narrative is right, it is it is it is it is effectively something in economic uh, speak. I, I, it's kind of it's kind of predatory pricing, mm -hmm. where you you have a, a full industry with with uh, a certain you know labor cost advantages, and uh, and you have it's and, and probably subsidized by the government in China as well, and you have the opportunity to effectively make it impossible for us to manufacture in the United States. So I thought it was an interesting narrative that he put together. I hadn't seen that kind of a narrative before. I certainly hadn't seen anyone trace it all the way back to '53 when it started, when the when the R and D started, and then walk it through the last couple of decades where the firms were getting up and running and building their capabilities, and then and then painting a story of like a, a predatory approach and almost like almost almost like 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 hints of espionage in here. It's an amazing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's no, an amazing I, I, kind I, of article. <laughs> I see that. Um, the issues I have with it is that he, as he's painting this picture, he portrays, and I don't know why you don't take offense to this, he portrays the installers as a bunch of guys in some sure. cheapy vans sure. with a bunch of cheap Chinese panels and a ladder. Sure. Yeah. No, that was a, that was a key <laughs> piece of that conversation. Uh, yeah. First of all, I find that really offensive. Second of all, it has no basis in reality. In my experience, people do not buy those really, really cheap Chinese panels unless, right. they're, unless they're buying them at 
Costco or right. something. Yeah. It, if you if you have an installer sit down with you, um, you're always looking at the higher end because you want to have the the, the amount of production that you can get out of a good panel. Um, how many of those cheap? How many of those Chinese panels do you sell? name a Chinese manufacturer? I don't even know the name. So so here's the thing: there are cheaper <laughs> manufacturers. There are different tiers of manufacturers, but yeah. but a, the bulk of the tier one manufacturers that were dominant in price and tend to be Asian uh, uh, Asian produced, right? Mm-hmm. So like for example, um, Canadian Solar. Uh, a misnomer mm-hmm. produced in Asia, right? Yep. And uh, but th- they are number two or number one in volume production as of like last year, right? Mm. There's actually in the industry the number one ma- volume manufacturer of solar panels. It's almost like a curse. Everyone knows that you don't want to be number one. You want to be number two because yeah. if you're number one, <laughs> your time is limited. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, it could go well, south it, for you. It, it, again, so that's Trina is another yeah. uh, big Asian one that was that had a tremendous amount of volume, and there's a whole series of other ones. You know, yeah. but I just find it to be an interesting conversation, and I think that you know. Uh, he did an int- he did a, he put his homework in to try to create a case for uh, for these tariffs. Now the the thing that I don't agree with, I think those tariffs aren't going to have the effect he wants. It's not although manufacturing does create uh, a lot of value in us in a community, maybe in a in a nation state, in like the United States. Mm-hmm. It, it it's it's going to take years for that to have any effect, and who knows what the industry is going to be by that time. I just don't think it's the right policy, the tariffs. No. Um, and in fact, I, I think he kind of fell down on the research a little bit too, because um, Suniva, one of the one of the mm-hmm. trade um, case, gotcha, gotcha. Um, is actually majority owned by Chinese. Nice. And not yeah. only that, the Chinese opposed the trade case. <laughs> That's really interesting. And the people driving it are actually these guys, yeah. um, SQN Capital Management. Uh-huh. Familiar? Wall Street. Okay, yeah. It's, it's, it's all Wall Street. <laughs> all well, they, down they, to Wall Street. Yeah, they want to recover their money. Bad they're investments. Actually, they're actually right? out um, $51 million in equipment costs that they want to recover. Nice. So so as these go into um, bankruptcy, the, the, the issue, the conversation went, the Chinese majority ownership said, we don't want this, we don't want this um, trade case to go forward. Yeah. SQN says, we absolutely have to do it because if you um, if you don't pursue it you're bankrupt the equipment will be um, sold off the company dissolved there will be no one to pursue the case which gotcha. is the reason why SQN capital management is actually bankrolling this this entire process and gotcha. keeping Suniva afloat Yep. Okay. So uh, I don't think we're going to solve it today, but I think this is a really interesting article to check out. It's on Forbes. Uh, Greg Autry, Solar Power Capturing the Fruits of Our Labor. Yep. And uh, do the take opposing argument you can find on Bloomberg, Chinese solar makers show $55 million path to avoid tariffs. Um, right, right. It's, they're both out there. <laughs> so, uh, Jay, we do have our caller on, and we're kind of moving a little bit behind schedule on the news. Would you like to take that, or you want to uh, stop and move forward with it? Um, real, real quick. Uh, hope everybody, it, a lot of people don't drive Dairy Road anymore. Um, do drive by there because of the yeah. major new installation very nice very one. very very pretty looks like a kaku um, yep yeah you're, you're familiar with the with the with the folks behind that yeah. but i'm i'm just thrilled to see more of them popping up and i think it's it's great for shade and for parking and hopefully for, for some energy it's great and, and it's right through the through town center it's yep. right there and yep. it's also you know it's funny because we i was thinking about that fella in the in the chamber of commerce or someone or the planning commission mm-hmm. he goes what did he call the um for when he's talking about costco it was a while back a couple shows back and he goes oh those carports are butt ugly i don't feel that way i look at those things and i think they're beautiful I, I want to park you know? under it, and I'm thinking you can go get shave ice and actually yeah. park under that instead of sitting in the hot sun. It's 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 great. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful thing for the center of uh, Kahului to have. You Absolutely. Know I mean? Absolutely. So there's some other cool Hawaii, uh, Hawaii news we'll get into later. I think we should jump right into our product focus, if that's okay. Yep. We'll do our commercials afterwards. We do have John on the line. So before we jump into that, though, just to introduce it briefly, Smartflower Pacific is an amazing organization, uh, and you know they have the rights to distribute this product throughout uh, Pacific and Hawaii. And uh, you know I got to know John a while back, and uh, just really excited about this technology. Jay and I got really uh, stoked on the idea of heliotropism, which is this big fancy word we love to say, <laughs> yep. heliotropism. And yep. basically, what does it mean, Jay? Well, it just it just means that if you think about th- sunflowers, they track the sun as they go across the sky. So the sunflowers, if, if they do heliotrope, uh, they point the head of the sunflower toward the sun at all times. Yeah. Which is really cool, and yeah. it's a great idea because you can capture more energy that way. You're not you're not side face to, so to the, the energy yeah. coming in at any time at yeah. any time. Right. So the way solar panels work, and way uh, the, I guess 
plants work, right? Is yep. that they want to capture as much of that energy perpendicular as we're going to get the, the bulk of it. Yep. So it turns out that flowers follow the sun. You know, yep. it's, it's something that we probably all knew. Uh, thou, you know, well, if you remember, if you remember a while a while ago, there was all the um, the flowers down at the end of the highway toward <laughs> Malaya, and that was that was fantastic. Those flowers did not heliotrope, by but, the way. But we there didn't was find a different, <laughs> different different strain. Apparently, there are some, some flowers that heliotrope <laughs> and some that don't heliotrope. This is a funny story, actually. Well, we went out there. We went there super early morning. It was dark. There was nobody there. Four. Yeah. 3 30 yeah, 4 o'clock I, I brought all the gopros and we're trying to take a stop motion video of of that you know over the time lapse uh, photography so i set up everything and we sat there for a good hours and like i don't think they're moving i don't think they're moving <laughs> and then we the sun's <laughs> coming up we're getting sunburned all the people showing up taking their pictures and everything they're not moving <laughs> so we ended up we got some great video but it wasn't it wasn't yeah. of the flowers actually panning across the sky and then the we sky. called the kings from biodiesel kelly king i think right yep, and we're like yep. hey you know we did this thing and she goes oh yeah those kind of sunflowers don't heliotrope josh <laughs> so uh but this system does heliotrope system does, the smart yeah. flower uh and we're going to learn all about it and i can't wait to hear uh from john directly so we got john McEnroe from smart flower pacific aloha john can you hear us Copy, but I can hear you. All right. No well, welcome. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, John. We're really glad to have you on board. Thank can you, you turn your radio down? Thank you very much for having us here. Yeah, you're, it's great. Can you just turn that radio down? I can hear an echo in the background, please. Hello? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. There we go. Is better? Sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, yeah, introduce, introduce us to, uh, to yourself and, and the Smart Flower. My name is John McEnroe, President and CEO of Smart Flower Pacific. I'm the exclusive distributor of the world's first all-in-one solar system called Smart Flower. The product comes out of Austria. It was invented by an Austrian man named Alex Swatek, brought to market five years ago, and we have over 1,600 installs worldwide to date. And I'm also doing exclusive in the Philippines. So we have installations in the Philippines and we're getting units to Hawaii as we speak. Yeah, it's uh, and then you had mentioned to me earlier, John, that there was a kind of a cool story that it was invented, on, uh, written, sketched out in a bar napkin. How did that work out? <laughs> yes, Alex and a few of his friends were out having some drinks one night and looking at some flowers and they said, wouldn't it be cool if we could make some solar product that looked like a flower? So they did a prototype nine months later and the rest is history. We bring it to market, and now here we are today, marketing the world's first all-in-one solar system. Wow. What the smart flower does is, in the morning, it awakes itself from the closed position, opens itself fully, positions itself directly to the sun, and tracks the sun at a perpendicular 90-degree angle from sun up to sun down. So you get 100% maximum efficiency for the solar production. Right. So now there's some, yeah, and this is pretty, uh, it's pretty, you know, I, I met John, I think, originally at InterSolar in 2015 or 16, mm-hmm. just as you were bringing it to market. And you walked past, and it was really the showstopper. You know, I mean, it was really the thing. It's really intimidating. That I was, had never seen one <laughs> at, at scale. And he finally, he finally sound, sent the pictures with some people in with the, the products at, in the same frame. And it's, it's impressive. How, what, what's the total size? How big are these things? What a unit as it's fully open it stands 15 feet tall and 15 feet wide when it's fully east or fully west and when the unit is closed it's nine feet tall and the base of the unit is three feet wide and four feet deep so the smart flower aloha and welcome to mount anywhere in your yard or on top (laughs) of a pedestal on your carport it can even be mobile i have one mounted on a trailer that i do mobile demonstrations here in honolulu with Oh, nice. In the Philippines, we're also putting one on a trailer to take around and rent out to people who want to use renewable clean energy for events instead of using right. fossil fuels and having the scent of the diesel or gasoline as well as the sound. This is a silent, clean, renewable energy solution we have. And and uh, so, you know, really remarkable when you see it. You, you're definitely excited. Uh, yeah, and, and John, if possible, please try to turn that radio down. We're getting a little bit of echo here still. If you can just kind of kick that off, that would really help us quite a bit. Um, but, you know, it really is something, like, when you when you come to, like, I remember the guys at InterSolar. Uh, there's this, you know, there are these aisles. People are just cooking back and forth, kind of doing business, meeting everybody, taking business cards, you know, all that. And then there's just a bunch of people standing around something in the middle. 
like in awe. You know, there's yeah. like probably 20 <laughs> people going, what on earth am I looking at? You know, and that's kind of how John was rolling in Intersolar in 15 or 16. And so it, it, it is stunning. It is inspirational. It's kind of like something beyond just technology. But the technology is really robust, right? And what, what John's describing right now is is a system that can be deployed in, you know, almost like a backyard. I mean, you got the you don't need boatloads of space to make this thing work. And you're able to track the sun all day long. So you're able to take a certain amount of solar that would typically only produce, you know, X and then produce a significant amount more because of the um, dual axis tracking, meaning both seasonally and daily. You're able to track the sun and keep that angle of incidence at 90 degrees. So uh, it really is a remarkable technology. You know, yeah, there's... that does amazing things for your energy. We talk about the curve that you get throughout the day. Well, this isn't. It's a curve. It's not. It's a square wave. <laughs> you're right. getting. You're getting energy, or you're not. Um, you said it's all in one, and that kind of interests me. I, I, I specifically don't research these too much because I want to be able to ask the questions. Yeah. Uh, Lifetime. Um, so, so it, it ha obviously has the solar panels. That's the large flower portion of the unit, then what's contained in the base? It has a full inverter system? What, what comes out of it? Yes, in the inverter system we have right now, it's a Fronius Primo 3.8 inverter that we're using for the United States. Mm -hmm. And also we have the electronic control board located inside the unit. Mm -hmm. So everything is self-contained in the unit. It's approximately one hour installation time from when the technician arrives on site when you have a working smart flower unit if you already have the cement pad poured and ready to go. The installation procedure is four mounting bolts at the base of the unit and three wires from the external output of the inverter going to the panel box of your location that you're going to be using the smart flower. So it just puts out AC and you get access to it right away. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah, and what's it? What I find interesting about this is uh, kind of you know there's well you've got a couple of, uh, of of use cases that are that stand out to me right away, right? One is if you're renting a house mm -hmm. and you want to use solar, right? We found a use case we for for someone that's renting a house. We recently talked about the community solar program that was announced, right? right? So there's an option all of a sudden. Now here's another option, right? Yeah. And this option actually is is pretty compelling because you can take it with you. You can put it in. Yeah, it's yours. Yeah, and you can take <laughs> it with you. Is that is that right, John? Are you finding that people in that scenario might might want to uh, go with a smart flower yes some people not only that but also people who don't want any alteration to the structural integrity of their home being a smart flower doesn't need to go on your roof you're not drilling any holes mm. going in your yard people with older homes or high-pitched roofs they're not really keen to have anyone up on their roof absolutely the smart flower can be positioned in the front yard backyard as long as there's no shade or obstructions that'll block the sun out of it it'll work perfectly fine that's a really uh yeah, that's a, that's a really sorry to interrupt you, but that's a really uh, compelling case from the from the perspective of an installer, right? I've been on pretty much every kind of roof uh, there is, and uh, and there are certain circumstances where we're sitting there going, hmm, I don't like that roof, <laughs> and this fellow doesn't <laughs> want to uh, doesn't want to re-roof, yep. and it's a twenty year old cedar shake, and and he's actually had a couple guys come out, and they're all kind of going, eh, eh, not me, <laughs> right? Because they just don't want to have that that issue. So in that scenario, we could say, hey, you know, we got another solution for you. Rather than have to, you know, worry about the liabilities and the concerns and all that, we could say, hey, here's another scenario entirely. Yep. Uh, this is something that may be appropriate for you. You don't want to change that cedar shake roof. You got this big, beautiful old, you know, historic house up in Kula. Uh, okay, well, let's just put a smart flower over don't by the don't want to punch holes in it. No, I understand that completely. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Very... One of the smart features that the smart flower has is if in excess winds of 34 miles an hour, the smart flower will go into what's called a simple one or neutral position where the panels are aligned with the ground, parallel to the ground, and once the wind detector recognizes wind speeds decrease to a safe level, it'll automatically position itself back to the sun. Or if there's constant wind speeds above 39 miles an hour, the smart flower will autonomously close itself up upon recognition by the wind sensor that it's safe to open again. It'll autonomously open itself again, position smart. itself to the sun, and begin tracking Autonomously, nothing needs to be done. So when you once we turn the smart flower on, it's set, ready to go. Once we position the coordinates. Wow. So you, yeah, you're you when you call it a smart flower, you're not kidding. <laughs> There's some yeah, <laughs> right. So uh, and how does that work? Is that like a GPS system or something? What's going on? Are we? Uh, how does it know? I mean, you have a you have a weather you have weather monitors, you have sensors, but then it needs to be able to track the sun. I wonder what that system's like. I mean, I yes, we input the longitude latitude coordinates, and it finds itself anywhere throughout the world and optimal position to the sun, and it focuses the panels towards the sun and slowly moves throughout the day to be aligned 90 degrees with the sun to the evening. Yeah, that and in the evening time, it autonomously closes itself 
And at the end of each blade, there's brushes that clean any dust, dirt, and debris off the surface of the panel daily as it opens and closes. So unlike traditional rooftop system, once it's mounted, you need to have someone go up there and physically clean it. Sure. These brushes help to reduce any type of sediment or buildup that will accumulate on top of the panels, allowing it to be more productive over time. That's interesting. So you have less required cleaning, and then it's also you know it's also accessible, right? So That's what I was going to say. It's close it's by. Actually, you put a little step ladder. You don't, you don't probably, have to. Yeah, you don't have to <laughs> actually go up on the roof it. to clean them. You just, yeah, get the get the little window cleaner out. So you got all these great features, John. You got, you got uh, this uh, retractability. You have this uh, helio heliotropism, this dual access tracking uh, through GPS. You have a. It's cooled, right? It's it's cooling because it's you don't have you're not on a roof, right? So that you have uh, your panels are actually going to be performing better. Per rated watt because they're yes. cooler than on a roof. Because of the open face back panels, air is able to pass freely through the back of the panel, keeping it substantially cooler than traditional rooftop systems, whereas the back of the panels and the top of the roof, that dead space creates hot air, in turn creating inefficiencies, lowering productivity for traditional rooftop systems. Mm-hmm. But with the smart flower, air is able to pass freely through, keeping it cooler, increasing productivity. Yeah, and all so your electronics are in the base too. Yeah, we, we get about 40% more efficient than a traditional rooftop system. So the Smart Flower itself is a 2.5 kilowatt peak system, but because of those smart features that I mentioned, it's equivalent to a 4 kilowatt rooftop system. That's pretty interesting, you know, because our, I think our average size system for a whole house is about 6 kW, okay? But when we think about the path of solar for the last 10 years, the 2.5 kW, that was almost like the, the starter pack for solar over the course of the last decade. That was, we had a system called the Monopack, mm-hmm. and it was 2.5 exactly. So this year, it's kind of squarely in the middle of that, right? It's saying you can get 2.5 STC, but in actuality, because of, of the tracking, you're gonna be upwards of equivalent to about four kilowatts in solar generating capability, which is pretty remarkable. In terms of overall energy you're gonna get throughout the day, I guess you're never gonna get more power than 2.5, but you're gonna get more energy as if it were a four kilowatt solar system, broader shoulders throughout the energy curve. So that's very interesting, and I, you know, I think also, what it kind of gets me really stoked here, John, about this. I mean, first of all, I know people that just want, they just love the idea of a smart flower. They just love the idea. Like, this I, is want a, I want to see a whole field of this, them. Yeah. This like this thing, <laughs> somewhere. This Definitely <laughs> a statement of renewable energy. Unlike the traditional rooftop right. system that's out of sight and out of mind, this is an in-your-face statement of renewable energy showing your friends, colleagues, business partners, right. employees, everything. Your commitment to going green and your commitment to renewable energy. Yes, yes. And I think there's something to be, uh, there's some value to be seen in that. And I think that I know certain people that are just like, I really dig that and I want this kind of an idea, you know. Uh, John, the, we have some new programs being launched right now with the utility and, and it, it kind of strikes strikes me that they, this could be particularly applicable for some of these new programs. So we have CGS Plus coming down the road and that's a new backfeeding program. This system is, a, is, is fully approved by Hawaiian Electric, correct, John? Yeah, everything the UL approves, everything the DPP, everything... There's no problems with it. Everything is ready to go throughout the whole U.S. California has some installations already down south, Texas, up on the east coast, everywhere. We just brought it to Hawaii now because we have to change the inverter out right. to an inverter that was approved by HECO. Right. I remember that conversation. So you got this. So right now, literally, someone could call in and say, yep, I want to be the first smart flower owner in Maui. Oh, Maui. And yeah. we could make that, the ha- that, that happen for them. Is that right, John? Yes, as long as they contact Josh Porter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice shout out. <laughs> All right. I'll throw the number in there. 269-2352. 269-2352. If you want to give us a call, we can talk about the Smart Flower. I, I'm I'm yeah. a definitely a uh, a devotee to this really remarkable, you know, yeah, aesthetic, beautiful thing. Go to the website. They can go on www.smartflowerpacific.com and get all the information that they can find there about the Smart Flower. And any questions they have, they can go ahead and send an email to sales at smartflowerhi.com. And we'll be happy to answer any questions, or they can go ahead and call That's great. here on Maui. Yeah, and thanks for that, John. Thank you very much. I, I do want to just, uh, uh, one last piece from our side here. I think that the CGS Plus and the NEM expansion, that's just about to be clarified on the 9th of January. Uh, TECO is finishing hearing testimony on their new programs, or the PUC is finishing hearing testimony on the new programs, and we should have that NEM expansion non-export process clarified. If we can create a non-export uh, uh, a smart flower, that is a nice way to expand your NEM, right? Because yeah. you've already taken up, most people 
people that have NAM, they've already taken up their optimal roof space. Right. Yeah, right? exactly. They, we put, yeah. When and, you put it up there the first time, that's where it goes. And then the, the conversation we're having is, well, we go north, you know, you're going to be dropping about 15% efficiencies. But what if we don't go north at all? We go we go backyard with the smart flower, yeah. and we bump efficiencies by 40% or I'm, whatever. I'm, I'm thinking personally, I have that old rusty basketball hoop that came with the house. <laughs> and the kids used to use it, but they don't use it anymore. That's it a is, nice it is a it. concrete pad. It does have four bolts. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Got to wonder. That's exciting. So I think that NEM expansion, uh, CGS Plus, those are all really interesting areas and at the moment we're working with a non-battery solution is that right um uh, john but we're going to see batteries yes. coming sometime in the future we're looking at having some battery solution a fully off-grid version that can be run just with the smart flower itself mid-year end of q2 beginning of q3 2018. Ooh, that's going to be exciting that's right? be fun yeah you because just drop them in a field anywhere <laughs> there you yeah. go. <laughs> because of the regulations with the ul and hawaii and everything we're unable to use the units as they were being sold in Europe and Philippines as a fully off-grid solution, just plug and play. So in Philippines right now, we have some installations that we did where we installed the units fully off-grid. You don't have to be grid-tied at all. Drop the unit off. It has internal battery storage up to 13.8 kilowatt hours of storage. It's a good good number. And yes, you can just put, if you have a, some kind of retreat or mountain home you want, live fully off-grid, just go ahead and Purchase one of the units with batteries. From then, one hour to install, you're producing your own free, clean electric. Nice. Very cool. Um, really do appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to uh, tell our listeners while, <laughs> while we've got you here? Are there any uh, final, final thoughts here, uh, uh, John? No, just everyone should focus on renewable energy and going green to help be good stewards of the environment and help our planet. That's why we're here. <laughs> Absolutely. We're on the same page. Right well, side of solar. <laughs> John, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been kind of something I was hoping to put together for a long time now. It's great to hear about your uh, forward progress in the Philippines, here in Hawaii, throughout the country. I think this is a great example of the types of technology we need to see more of. So thank you so much uh, for taking the time to give us a, uh, a call today. And we will uh, we'll be in touch soon on this. I think we're going to see some uh, the first Maui smart flower install shortly. Absolutely. <laughs> right? All right. Absolutely. Look, looking forward to it. Thank you guys for your time and we really appreciate it all Excellent. right aloha Excellent. john we had a all right thank you bye now yeah so anybody who hasn't seen this thing um do look up the website uh we'll post we've posted up on our, our website and you can get in um to actually check it out as well but you really do need to see it to understand yeah. how impactful that is when he says it's a statement he's not kidding <laughs> okay so i think we should run our commercials right now does that sure. sound good you guys Abs and absolutely. then we got somebody we'll on on the call too we'll pick right. up on afterwards we'll be right back all right Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery 
battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Okay, we're back. Those are our wonderful sponsors and those uh, those wonderful companies and people keep us on the air. So thank you again yep, uh, really for your support it. over the year. And uh, apparently we, we have Solar Anthony on the line. He's Solar the, Anthony, here he is. Field. He's been on the show before. The legend. Are you there, Solar <laughs> Anthony? I am here. Happy New Year, Solar Coaster Radio. How are you guys doing today? We're doing pretty good. Doing good, pretty good. Good, good, good show. Here. You hear the smart flower? <laughs> do yes, you, do you want one of these I, things? I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about the technology. I can't wait to see them start growing all over Maui. <laughs> nice. Excellent, excellent. Right on. So, yeah, the reason I was calling in, I just wanted to give one of my coworkers a big shout-out. Um, he sold 20 panels for the new year. Um, his name's Neil. I'm really excited about it. Oh, so, nice you know, job, Neil. I just wanted Neil. to give Neil a big shout-out today on this Aloha Friday for doing that. So. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Very I really do good. appreciate it. We are seeing yeah. some we are seeing some cool stuff and Neil's really been getting some traction on the uh, putting on my MSP hat here has certainly is getting some traction in the, in the in, as a new and up and coming solar sales superstar slash ninja and yeah. uh, you know he's uh, he was the first of the team to uh, to get one in the uh, in the hopper for faith for right 2018. On. So, all right Neil listen good job buddy and you guys have a wonderful day at solar coaster okay all right, all right thanks, thanks for the sir. call Anthony what's up all right Aloha Aloha bro Alrighty, so um, very interesting start of the show. We did um, uh, need to cut out earlier from our Hawaiian news section, so why don't we double back to that? Uh, there's something I, interesting happening here. One article um, I really want to touch on, right. Um, this is a Hawaiian News Now article um, about, uh, title of the article, Aud auditors couldn't figure out what the state energy office does or what it plans to do. Mm. Well, that's I mean, it sounds like government for sure, <laughs> but I, but I I don't I don't agree with this one either. Um, so this is from Hawaii News Now. Yep. Uh, what is this? January third, mm -hmm. uh, and updated on the fourth. And uh, basically, yeah. So there's this uh, there's this discussion about the state energy office. Uh, they're uh, they're kind of asking them, hey, what is it you do? And they go, the energy office could not articulate to us neither through documented evidence nor verbally how it has directly or indirectly contributed to achievement of the state's clean energy goals. <laughs> basically going, means, what do you guys do? What's going they're spending. On here? They're currently spending six hundred thousand dollars more than their current revenue, so mm. they don't generate a lot, but they're spending a decent wow. amount of money. That's a government, um, it's government office. Uh, yeah, f for sure. <laughs> but I mean. They're, they're basically tasked with um, facilitating the transition to our 2045 100% renewables goal, right? I mean, these are the, these are the folks that are that are directly involved with some of those some of those conversations. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they're they're a part of supporting the energy accelerator, so they put some yeah. money into that, uh, yep. half a million bucks, I think, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, the energy accelerator, to me, has always been something that's really remarkable. Uh, yeah. So I've been to some of these conferences, been to their uh, seminars at the Re uh, Pacific Resilience Energy Summit out in, in Honolulu every year. And it really is just a uh, amazing group of people that are effectively, it's like an incubator. Mm -hmm. they're, they're saying, what kind of energy ideas do you have? How can we incubate these? And, and, and they have a lot, they have a, a success record too, right? So, um, you know, uh, we do have a yeah, quote this is, here. This is the R&D that we were talking about before. This is this American innovation. Right. And this is the investment that they're, they're talking about. So we've got right. this massive investment into developing new energy technologies right here in the state. Here in Hawaii. Here this in is, Hawaii. And, and, they're, yeah. and they're, there's someone here is complaining about the fact that they're sending them back and forth to Silicon Valley. Well, Silicon Valley is a, a, a hotbed of technology and funding. I think a lot of it has to do with funding. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Because and I've seen some of the language and I get their, all their emails and stuff. And I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I just think they're pretty awesome. So I'm sure you can invite some investors out to Hawaii. But <laughs> generally right. speaking, if you don't have the money and you don't have if, – if you had the money, you wouldn't need the investors. And if you need the investors, you don't have the money to fund a whole bunch of trips for people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we get, I guess they need they want to get better clarity as to what they do. But I do think it's interesting they're kind of taking aim at them in, in, in a way here. So yeah, little, what is this all 36 about? 36-page audit. Yeah. <laughs> and frankly, I haven't read the, the audit yet. I will take a look at it. It'll be some light reading over the weekend. Sure. <laughs> but, sure. Uh, but I think that there's, uh, there's something interesting brewing there, so we should keep an eye on that and see how this thing pans out. You know, in, in my mind, or at least my experience with the accelerator has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, I don't know that we certainly need to account for how the money's being spent, but uh, we'll have to take a look at that uh, future forward here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. 
Uh, future focus. We are firmly in the future at this point. Yes. Uh, smart flowers. Uh, smart three, flowers. So three ways science is targeting energy storage costs. Um, this is a little article in uh, Renewable Energy World where they're actually talking about crazy weird battery technologies that people are researching today. Innovation uh, again, to replace right? To replace, the, yeah, all this, all this research. I mean, the, this is where the technologies come from. You have to do a lot of research to figure out which ones are truly viable mm-hmm. <laughs> and not. And some of these, when you hear these ideas, you're going to know that, yeah, some of them are, may or may not actually pan out. Um, and some of them may be really, really odd, but actually work. You never know. Right. So um, team at Stanford is working on a using urea as the battery's electrolyte. The P battery. Yes, the P battery. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. actually legitimate. Legitimate. Uh, it's com- inexpensive. Yeah, it, okay, <laughs> it is a component of urine. It's not the only thing. Um, you can get it from other sources. Uh, but I mean, can you imagine if your your car's low on power and you just kind of. <laughs> Hope, hope you parked in the right spot. <laughs> so urea is a component of urine and is commonly used in plant fertilizer, right? Sure, so it's not sure. actually pay. Uh, according to Stanford, the battery's electrodes are made from aluminum and graphite. Yep. Uh, one team member said they're working with the cheapest and most abundant materials on Earth. So the idea here is how do you store energy cheaply? I, I think this is this is a really good trend that I see in every single one of these technologies is that they are no longer targeting um, some, some really obscure, unique mm. minerals that we need to mine strip mine for or that are byproducts from other things that are tied to other industries they're mm. looking at stuff you can find around the house on the ground <laughs> outside um underneath your floorboards where, wherever it happens to be i mean house dust let's look at that you know and just just yeah. finding finding something else that you can use to store energy so that we we're not dependent on these crazy weird elements and technologies kind of like swimming pools Swimming pools. Ah, pools right. make great batteries. That's right. We talked about Thermal that batteries, Thermal, right? Well, this Thermal is actually number two is titled A Watery Breakthrough from Oregon Oregon State College, right? Yep. And they're talking about they created a battery that uses hydronium ions. Is it correctly? Hydronium? Yep. yep. Hydronium ions as a charge carrier. That could be good for standing grid storage. The team says hydrogen ion is a water molecule with an added hydrogen ion. It works as an acid electrolyte in the battery and places, and it replaces lithium, sodium, or potassium for carrying a charge. Yep. So this is a, you know another water. Now we did have um, Aquian, the saltwater battery company, that was up for about seven years. Really tough guys to start a battery company. By the way, that's a tough endeavor. And uh, Aquian actually, I think, declared bankruptcy and has been picked up and is being re yeah the patents or something are right now. being floated around uh, um, but th- this is this is similar and yet not um, the other one that was water-based was just the um, the pressure um, was it what they call it the um, hydraulic hydraulic hydro- just just hydraulic storage right. which is certainly something you can do if you have a large installation um, if you and you have excess power imagine you have, you have so much extra solar during the day you don't need it what do you do with it we'll just turn on the pumps and fill this large tank mm. and then at night well, you route that water, it's going to gravity feed back down, and you could actually turn generators with right. that and, gen- and generate electricity. I don't know what the percentages are for loss and stuff, but I mean... That sounds like a big engineering conversation. It's, it's a large yeah. engineering project because to get any real value, it has to be pretty large. I mean, imagine yeah. if you have to fill the space behind the Hoover Dam and then let it drain during the yeah. evening. I mean, that's a significant amount of water. Yeah, and there are some precedents for that kind of stuff in large-scale utility. Sure. They've actually used dams and reservoirs and they, you know, I've, I've had conversations with some engineers about that. Yep. Um, and then the last one, here, number one. three, is uh, what is that? Glass. Glass. This is really cool. And I, 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 but the the key piece to this is this is from John Goodenough. Love the name. It is yeah, good enough. Really? But this is the same gentleman who came up with the lithium ion battery way back in the day. He's been a researcher for how many? Many, many decades. Um, and it took him about fifteen years. Uh, Another article, I, I dug into this, another article said it took about 15 years to take that lithium ion technology from this research phase to everybody's cell phone. Right. How many years? 15. 15 years. So it's, it's a good long way out. But he's actually got this new idea using glass and um, what was the other? Sodium. Sodium was the, um, the, the, um, the other component of the battery. So glass and sodium, which are both really, really common materials where we can 
build batteries out of them. And he's, he's actually taking aim. The thing is, he actually specifically addresses in this other article, he specifically addresses energy density. And that's the problem with some of these alternative battery technologies. When you mm. talk about with the saltwater battery and stuff like that, you're not getting the energy density yeah, they were that we need to propel an automobile. Mm. And he's claiming that energy density is part of the conversation and that he's taking aim at the current lithium technology batteries in automotive right so if you can store that much batter much energy in some glass that's some that's revolutionary <laughs> stuff yeah, really, you know? really. And, and he's got a good track record so i, I would watch that one so we just take <laughs> our windshields and we just fill them up with uh, energy and then we're good on our cars well i think it's gonna have to be a little thicker <laughs> than that but sure <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely crazy. Good, good technology. Uh, one final. Well, that was the yep. storage was, part of the, the future storage. focus. Yep. And then the next one, we've actually got some interesting movement in the solar panel space. Right. right? We're going to run and, out of time here. Are we? Oh, and I, well, <laughs> basically the U.S. Air Force, it's on, uh, what is this here, AF.mil. A military is the uh, the website. Yep. Uh, advanced multi-junction solar cells deliver high-efficiency Reduce cost for uh, space. So they're talking. Which, what I find interesting about this is that we're, in the beginning of this conversation, we're talking about that Forbes article where he's saying all this R and D's happening in America and these companies are getting robbed, right? Yep. And then over here, we're seeing that this R and D is actually happening, and yep. we're seeing a major advances. And that is what well, this one is actually tied to the space program again. Yep. Once again, about density, about energy, the generation density, how much you can generate in a given space, and how you can get it up into space to keep these uh, space stations running, right? Yep. That was part of the yep. conversation in this article. Uh, and then, but the the thing that occurred that really struck uh, me were, were the percentages so frame this for folks i mean your your average your average panels are well yeah about 20 percent for, for, yep. for electrical uh, energy generation you're looking at a photovoltaic panel it can generate about 20 percent a little bit yep. less a little bit more i think the record's around 25 and change or something like that but i mean real world you know like the the the, the really awesome uh panels that we love that interview with david chang yep. uh from lg electronics 60 cell modules backside contact 370 watts that's kind of the the the, the leader of the pack right now in yep. terms of value for for, for energy uh, production and uh, and but these here those well, are probably that was, that was, you, the, you need to reframe the percentage again because you went to watts uh, <laughs> yeah, geez actually I, I don't have the spec sheet maybe we could pull it, it up real 20, fast I I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say 22 ish that's yeah, why 22 that was, that was what i understood 22 percent sounds about right for the yep. lg uh neon r 365 yep. Yep. and then we had that glass that we were talking about a couple last week a couple weeks ago the nrel uh, transparent the, glass the transparent that glass that was actually 11 percent right so now we have a we kind of a frame of reference for this number and but and that is. and that that transparent <laughs> glass though was a building integrated photovoltaic idea you would right. put on your windows right right like, so right. not a panel correct a solar panel so you have you, you do you have some frame of references here in, in capabilities in terms of energy efficiencies right and, right? The, and what basically what this means is it, the percentage is the total amount of energy from the sun striking the panel how much of that is actually converted into electrical energy right so there that's that's what that percentage really go. means. So this particular technology, the way it works, is it's uh, heterojunction cells, right? Is that mm -hmm. the, and they have this new method. I won't go into trying to you know uh, frame it's what they've already said here. It's a little complicated, scientific. but basically they're able to capture different wavelengths in different layers, mm -hmm. right? And so they're able to get more energy density as a result of that. Now they're already doing this in heterojunction cells. This is a new way to do heterojunction cells. Mm -hmm. uh, well, if you really want to geek out, you can go read the article. But the bottom line is they're talking about thirty. 32% efficiency, 32% of captured sunlight into energy. So a double digit yeah. in increase off our best possible panel today. Yeah. So in, in general, <laughs> and to, get to put that into some context here, we don't generally see a conversation that says, hey, we're going to uh, up it. You know, that's like, you know, we're going to up third. it a third. Again. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> so that, that if this thing turns out to be a, a practical, deployable technology in the, you know, in the next few years, or who knows how, when, how long it takes to get to, to general manufacturing, um, but we're looking at the opportunity for, for general uh, solar panels to produce a lot more energy. That's right. a big jump, a third. Yeah, thirty-two percent. Yeah, fantastic. Panels. I would imagine if you could do that with the same roof space, um, all yeah. of a sudden. So, like a sixty-cell panel. I want to be able to convert that to watts now again. Can somebody help me? I know. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> so, if you had a three hundred and seventy, oh, yeah, three hundred seventy watt panel, so watt panel at twenty-two yeah. percent, we're guessing on that. I think we're squarely in the high fives right now. That's that's yep. where it's got to be. Right, so maybe Jay's gonna do some math for us, but the bottom fifty, five fifty, five sixty. So guys, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is exciting stuff. So thank you, uh, American Air Force, <laughs> <laughs> for doing the R and D. Yeah, Air Force. And this, this is this is where the money goes and comes from. Um, I, I've, like I said, I, I think this is um, fantastic. All the R and D goes here. We do it to ourselves. 
mm. we send this stuff overseas to be manufactured cheaply. It's a big world out there, guys. So, hey, <laughs> this is the Solar Coaster. It's been a great first show of 2018. Thank you, Jay, Jonah, and Gary, Solar Anthony, and John McEnroe for calling in. I will give you a heads up. We just got a confirmation the co-founder of Enphase will be on our show on January 26th. Tune in for that one, and All we right. got Abigail Ross Hopper next, next week. week. All right, All let's right. do it. So, thank you so much. Here's to a great 2018. Aloha Friday, folks. Have a good one. <laughs>